Welcome to Cloud and Clear. I'm Adam Massey, your host, Vice President of Marketplace and ISV Sales here at SADA. And today we've got a very special guest. Chris Gladwin joins me from Oceant. Chris is the co-founder and CEO uh, and a great partner of SADA's. Chris, welcome. Well, it's great to be here, Adam. We're looking forward to this conversation. Me too. So, um, as you know, we've been building our partnership together for several months. Right. Uh, you guys solve uh, a set of problems in a very critical space for SADA and our customers around how to maximize you know, leverage and value out of the ever-growing set of data our customers are struggling with. Uh, when I think of Ocean, Chris, you guys, I think of a technology set that's especially differentiated when you're talking about really massive data sets. Uh, and I think that's incredibly, you know, increasingly useful and relevant for our customers. Uh, so excited to get to know you better, uh, talk about the technology, talk about, you know, why you started the company and where you are today and a little bit about our partnership. Uh, before I do, it's a great opportunity for me to get to know you better, for our audience to get to know you better. Um, I'd love to start with maybe introduce yourself in your own words, because you'll probably do a better job at it than me. And then maybe actually share a little bit about your career arc so far and what led you to you know start Ocean. Sure. Thanks, Adam. The easy way to characterize me is I'm I'm really like an enterprise IT geek and have been my whole career. I started on the customer side, working at a big aerospace company in the corporate standards group, evaluating products and making the standard product list and, um, you know, did things like help them figure out like the first email system that allowed all the employees to talk to each other, which at the time was breaking technology. So I, I go way back, but I got a real good sense of like what it is like to be an enterprise customer, what's important, you know, what is the reality like? And then I switched over to the vendor side and I've been doing that forever. And so Ocean's my fourth big venture back company. So I've been doing that forever. And that really characterizes what, what we're like. We're just a bunch of people that this is what we do. And there really is expertise to it. You know, um, building the largest data analyzing systems in the world and, and the technology for that um, experience really, really matters. And so it's what I love to do. It's what I've been doing forever. Um, tell me a little bit about, when you think about your career, you've done a number of companies, number of startups, it sounds like, um, you've got a lot of experience starting companies, running them, working for them. Uh, this podcast is listened to by a lot of up and coming professionals in the tech space. Yeah. Uh, if you had some advice you'd give to your younger self or someone who's looking to eventually follow in your footsteps, what kind of advice would you give that person? Yeah. One of the things I've thought about in my career Looking back is I, I made the decision to kind of work at, in kind of the enterprise IT world before starting companies that did that. And as I mentioned earlier, I spent you know, over five years on the customer side and then I worked for a big vendor, uh, Zenith Data Systems, which at the time was the largest portable PC maker in the world. And I spent a long time there. So I had a lot of experience and that really helped me in my first my first startup. And so. I think there's, you know, kind of a big question you have to kind of ask yourself if you really want to be good at managing a startup, leading a startup, starting a startup, how much experience do you need? I mean, there's certain kinds of startups where you can just kind of do it, you know, famously in your dorm room, you know, but I don't think that applies so much to enterprise IT because with enterprise IT, not only you, but like your whole team has to has to bring a lot of experience to bear. So that's been, I guess, one of my my advice would be if if you're going to do enterprise IT, 
you really need to get some experience and, and experience really matters. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I definitely agree with you. Um, shifting gears a little bit to your company and the space you're in. So I've been, um, you know, in the cloud and enterprise technology world for a long time myself. And I've really been fascinated watching the evolution of the data and analytics space. And it's been an interesting evolution because like many other aspects of enterprise technology, you're seeing just this ever-growing um, acceleration and, and just growth of the types of data that companies have yeah. the opportunity, but also the challenge uh, to deal with. Um, what's kind of been interesting to me, though, is up until quite recently, like there's been a couple of different stages of technology evolution or innovation, but a lot of the traditional analytics technologies were kind of brought into the cloud and and, and, you know, people were trying to make them work and maybe repackaging them as a cloud solution. But I think one of the things yeah. that's unique about uh, the cloud in general is just how much data has been harnessed and made available to individuals, enterprises to deal with. How did that play into your vision for OSINT and how you came about to start the company and, and create your vision? Well, first, I would say that cloud and non-cloud are really not the same. As you were saying, you can't when you're kind of pushing the envelope, you can't just take something that was kind of designed for smaller on-prem and and just push it over to the cloud. Uh, it's different. Um, there's a lot of things different about it. And one of the differences is the exploding growth of data. Um, you know, what, what led us to start Ocean was previously the company I started was called CleverSafe. And we made the largest object storage on-prem systems in the world. Uh, AWS with S3 really dominated the cloud uh, uh, part of the object storage market. And we dominated kind of quietly behind the scenes the on-prem market. Uh, when IBM bought the company in 2015, we had 100% market share for 100 petabyte and above on-prem object storage systems, which was the super mega giant segment. And, you know, how we got started was we spent 10 years of our lives selling to the 500 to 1,000 largest data storing organizations on the planet, not by how big the organization was, but by how much data they stored. And, you know, they had seen us figure out how to build like exabyte, 10x single volumes and like a building full of hardware. You know, we made the software that would manage that and serve it up as some, you know, the largest storage volume in the world kind of thing. And they knew we, we you know, and, and as I was saying earlier, we really had this expertise in how to make it scalable and price performant and reliable and manageable, which is not easy. And so they were the ones that really brought to us the the challenge that had been around in the industry forever was how do you not just store data at limitless scale in a way that's reasonable in terms of its price performance, but how do you analyze data at hyper, what we call hyperscale? And there had been attempts in the industry over the past decades to solve it that had not worked. And uh, But there were some new hardware building blocks, notably NVMe, parallel interface on a solid state drive, high core count CPUs, 100 gig NIC connections everywhere. And we thought, you know, with these new building blocks, we think we could solve it. And that's what that's 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 how OSINT got started. We looked at it as a research project, convinced ourselves, yeah, this is this is doable. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a long time, but we could do it. And it's been you know we spent about five years building, and then last year was the first year that we we had production customers. Yeah, it's fascinating too because when you think about like the clever safe model, 
and that very specific customer profile you're going after, uh, as time progresses, I would imagine that customer base or that, that addressable market gets larger and larger and larger as more and more companies have access to really large data sets and can get incredible levels of value from it. Um, so it seems like you guys are definitely built for a really good you know, market fit today with the trends we're seeing. Speaking of some of those trends, um, we were looking at a recent OSINT data survey of a bunch of IT business leaders. And some of the things that came out of that that were interesting were uh, just to kind of double down on this concept, right? The volume of data is growing too fast. Uh, there's a lack of talent in the market to make use of that data or analyze it. And current solutions are not flexible enough. These are like all the trends we were just talking about that were like underpinned yeah. in this study. Yep. Why, why are organizations struggling to keep up with data? And like, how does OSINT help them solve that problem? Well, a lot of issues, like you said, are, are, are intersecting and all kind of pushing in the same direction. One is increasing data growth. And uh, every time I speak on this topic, I challenge the audience to name something where the new version makes less data than the old version. And so far, no one has met the challenge. And I can name everything else where the new version makes more you know, data, whether it's a light bulb or a phone or a car or an airplane. And, and what happens to the in, in these organizations where that's happening, this, this accelerating amount of data to, to store and analyze, yet the IT professionals, they don't get an accelerating amount of budget. <laughs> Generally, they're like flat or declining. And then the other thing that's happening is it, is it scales up. It's increasing in complexity. And then they also, you know, they don't get an accelerating amount of, you know, smart people with lots of experience to deal with this. So you end up with this situation where the typical challenge is, you know, how do we deal with this ever increasing amount of information as the kind of operating IT part of a company that enables the, you know, profit part of the company you know, and you have a, like really a shrinking or limited pool of resources. And, you know, so how we found you have to deal with that, you know, not only with us and our partners like SADA and, and Google and GCP, is that you have to not just deliver like a, you know, a bag of technology tools, like here's a data warehouse and here's a, you know, a uh, loading thing. And then you customer, you have to take all your best people for the next nine months and, and it'll turn into something great. Like they can't do that because all their best people have 20 other things to do. So you have to figure out a way, you know, both in your product and the kind of partner expertise you bring to turn that into a solution. And what a solution really means is it enables customers to get to value quickly and with the least amount of resources. Yeah, that's great. You know, one thing I'd love to ask you too is like I was looking at a recent talk you did where you were talking about the application of OSINT, your technology in the tele, in the telco space. Uh, you also have solutions for other industries like financial services, et cetera. How much do you think that the approach to solving customer problems changes industry to industry? Or, you know, obviously there's parallel themes with the explosion of the size of these data sets and the accessibility, but when you guys think about bringing solutions to your customers, how do you think about applying the technology in different ways? Well, as a, as a relatively new company, if, if what you're providing is 30% better or 50% better, 
no one's going to buy it. You know, they're not going to risk, especially for something large and important, because it always is when you're at hyperscale, you know, some new vendor. I mean, there's a lot of overhead to dealing with a new vendor relationship and implementing something new. So it's got to be at least five times, 10 times or more better. Um, And so... Way you do that is you really have to focus, and you know, as as a new company, you know, you you don't. One of the key skills to success is how to qualify customers, and to to. It's not easy for them to tell you exactly. You know, like yeah, you, you ask a customer a question like, "What's the biggest table that you analyze in your data?" That's a hard question for them to answer, but that's a question you really want to know. <laughs> You know, because it tells you like how, you know, what's the scale. So learning to get from them, you know, and, you know, often working with partners like Sada that have like relationships and they've done this before, like really understanding what they're trying to accomplish. That's a key skill. And then you can use that to qualify like this is a this is an opportunity that's a perfect fit and we're going to engage or not. And really, really important is to qualify out. So for 90% of the customers, maybe 80% of the customer opportunities you learn about, you're going to qualify them out. And, and you know, we recommend all kinds of alternatives. We know the alternatives really well. Like, oh, that's a great fit, not for us. So then you, you really want to just focus your resource on the opportunities that you know you're going to be amazing at in terms of that's a perfect fit for your technology. So that, that's really actually the key to success for these kind of hyperscale uh, enterprise, because you're going to direct all this resource of you, your partners, the customer, and it better be amazing when it's all done. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I've seen world class sales organizations, especially in younger companies where you got an, yeah. the best CRO in the world and you, you're hiring the best yeah. talent. But if you're focused on the wrong customer type, doesn't matter how good your sales yeah. team is you're going to have problems, right? So qualifying yeah. out is as important as qualifying. And I think customers appreciate that too, because yeah. you're getting to like the core of the problem they're trying to solve. And I think actually uh, use cases and, and that's obviously, you know, manifested often in the context of an industry is a great way to do that. So um, yeah. that's really helpful. Wanted to switch gears a little bit. So, you know, in this kind of, I know, one of the things I look over here at SADA is how do we help our customers access technologies like OCN? Um, through the marketplace. And, the, you know, the marketplaces, these hyperscale cloud marketplaces have become excellent platforms to connect, you know, customers who have a big investment in the cloud platforms with key technologies that can help them solve big problems. It can remove a lot of friction from a lot of the, you know, selection and onboarding and deployment of those technologies, clearly the purchasing. And that's a big thing we're focused on is like helping to you know, like you mentioned before, partnering so that we can know our customers really, really well and identify those perfect fit customers who are trying to solve big problems that OCN is a great solution for. But stepping back a little bit, how are you? How do you guys view the cloud marketplaces uh, as just a channel overall? And uh, when you think about like uh, allowing businesses the flexibility to solve some of these pain points with built-in security and some of these other things built into it, how, what's your experience been with that? What customers are looking for, particularly at hyperscale, is a solution to a business problem. And it's always some kind of complex problem. So it's not just like, uh, I want to run this SQL function 47 times. 
they may want to do that, but in order for that to be useful, there's a whole ecosystem of capabilities that that have to go into that. How is that supported? How is that upgraded? How is that purchased? How is that built? You know, there, there's just a million other things that all have to happen flawlessly that are really quite complicated. And, you know, that's really one of the big values of the cloud. It comes with this whole ecosystem. So you're plugging, you know, you don't have to like, you know, it's a new type of installation process. It's a new type of data loading and transformation. Like they can leverage things in many cases, they already have some kind of security framework. You know, like there's a whole bag of technical things they need, but then there's this whole bag of relationship things they need. Like I said, support, billing, upgrading, you know, just purchasing, how, you know, how, what's a part number? Where do you find that? I mean, and on and on and on. So a lot of what, you know, a cloud environment provides is that whole ecosystem to make it into a solution. And, you know, that like, it's easy to take for granted, you know, what, you know, what SADA does, you know, is, is deal with a lot of that complexity. Cause it's like, again, a, a data, you know, some data functions are really useful, but what customers are really buying is, is a business solution, some kind of meeting a requirement to build their business, grow their revenue, something like that. And that involves this whole ecosystem of functionality. Yeah, we, we call we talk a lot in terms of outcomes, right? Like how do we understand and deliver the outcome the customer is trying to get to? And it's like the value of that to a customer is so much higher than, you know, adoption of a product or some yeah. point thing. But uh, that was really, um, I think, spot on. Do you have any ex specific examples of how OCN has used like the cloud marketplace to solve some of those pain points for customers? Well, the way that OCN and SADA started working together is we were pursuing um, a really large customer, um, you know, that was uh, had some real pain points in terms of their need for a large data fabrication solution. This is a company that um, basically sells custom data sets to most businesses in the world at, you know, at a global scale. And they needed a solution because the solution they'd use, been using previously just, you know, wasn't going to be available much longer, wasn't working. And um, at the same time, you know, that that company, you know, did a you know giant deal with GCP. So we learned that we would be partnering. And uh, actually, the way we connected is through uh, one of the members of our advisory board, you know, because we asked, like, who, you know, who would be a good partner? And they, they, they recommended Sada and said, like, you know, that's the one you want to work with. And I think a kind of testament to that was we went from. Hey, we need to figure something out and get a partnership going to having successfully deployed one of the largest data fabrication systems in the world in production, you know, 6,000 queries an hour or whatever it is, um, getting to those outcomes, meaning all this stuff had to happen, you know, the way that it was purchased and supported and built and, you know, reliability and manageability and security, like all that happened in a matter of sh a small number of months, you know, actually just, you know, several weeks, uh, I think it was like 10 weeks or 12 weeks, like from end to end. That is not simple. And the only way that got done was everybody involved, you know, uh, OCN, SADA, GCP, you know, we had all done this kind of stuff before. And, you know, um, you know, still was hard. There were still some twists and turns in the road. But to, to go from like, hello, how are you? To here's one of the world's largest systems of its type successfully operating and delivering those business outcomes in like three months, something like that. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's something that we, um, uh, you know, I can't imagine happening as flawlessly and as quickly 
even just 10 years ago, right? Like it used to be when you get multiple parties involved, more than just customer and, you know, solution provider, things get complex really quickly. But now I think some of these things you're speaking of unlock multipliers and our ability. And now like we've got that as an example, that's a great template, a pattern we can go replicate together. And um, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when we think about our evolution from here forward, it's just so much more and more and more focused on, customer centric solutions. Like what are the problems our customers are struggling with? Um, a whole bunch of them happen to sit in this domain around data and analytics um, and getting the most out of these data sets these companies have access to or are sitting on. Uh, but the customers, you know, it's really easy for them to get kind of just stuck in a lot of the detail. And the more that we can partner together to deliver those outcomes, uh, the better. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, is how much of your you know, your evolving technology roadmap and even vision for what's possible uh, with large-scale data is shaped by your customers. The skill of listening to and learning from customers, I, I personally, I mean, I take pride in my ability to do that and OCEAN's ability generally. I, I think that, especially when you're dealing with enterprise customers, like that is, you know, it's really hard to do for one thing. And it is like the keys to the kingdom because they they will tell you what they need. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not like spending their precious time um, telling you things that aren't important. I mean, when they tell you, here's my problem, like they're telling you what their problem is. And, you know, if you can dig into that and really understand like what it means and why they're asking and what they're trying to solve, I mean, that's gold. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. And, and learning to, to really understand what they're saying and take notes and develop a relationship where they trust you enough to tell you that's, that's the real skill. Like in, anybody can, you know, once a customer gives you all that information, I mean, you, you can build it, you know, it may cost money, but like, that's, that's where, that's what really separates the leaders from the, you know, the laggards in an industry is like, who really knows what the customer needs? And I think also probably the ability to distill uh, those things that will make the product inherently better for everybody versus like one-off enterprise requirements. So I've seen both sides of that, right? Like I think the skill is to be able to listen, but also to understand like which things should you make sense to invest in R&D around and to build out versus yeah. uh, one-off things. Uh, and they're all important, right? Because they're all customer needs, but that's that can become challenging when you think about roadmap. But that's a really interesting point. Um, I'd love to ask you, like, what sort of success have you seen since building on Google Cloud? Anything notable there that you can share? One of the big successes we had you know, with with Google Cloud and also working with with you all is that ability to do, you know, what I was describing earlier, where you can not, not only quickly get, you know, really complex things into business value, but it also means it's efficient. I mean, if you're going to do something in three months versus three years, which is typical for these kinds of things, like that's going to be a whole lot more efficient for everybody involved. It's better for the customer. You know, they can get to value right away, you know, whether it's growing their business or increasing their profitability or whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. The sooner they do that, the better the result. And that's also true for, you know, you know, SADA and OSEAN, which is it's going to be, frankly, more profitable for us, too, because, you know, if we're spending less time. You know, we're, you know, it's a better business. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, just one of the last things I want to touch on is how much we appreciate you and OCN as partners. As you already mentioned, we came together in the context of 
a customer uh, where there was a really yeah. high impact solution we could deliver together. And now we're in a point where we're alliance partners um, and we're working together to go right. solve, you know, problems for the next wave of customers together. Uh, and like I mentioned a few times, the more we as a company orient around solving those customer problems and, and, and understanding the patterns that we can build things like professional services and other capabilities around technologies like OSEANT um, and give that customer the turnkey outcome, that's where I get really excited. Um, so thank you yeah. for your partnership. I'm extremely excited about that. Anything else like you can share with us a little bit about like what's next when you think about either the partnership with SADA or even better, like that plus, you know, the, what the next 12 months, what are your main priorities for OSEANT look like? Well, the, the, the things we're going to do in the partnership um, and in general are leverage the value that we've created. So, you know, when you go through an experience with a large customer and learning how to use GCP and get all the OSEAN stuff working great, what you find within vertical industries is typically within a vertical for a lot of the big IT stuff, they're not really competitive. Like with telcos, you know, the backend systems for billing and performance tuning and support and all that stuff, like that's not where they compete. They really compete on marketing. And, and m many of those people have, you know, they were at this telco, they were at that telco, they all know each other. And so what they're really looking for is efficiency. And so, you know, once you get into a telco, once you get into, you know, another vertical market like financial services and with this kind of big IT infrastructure, typically then you can you can just essentially go through the industry and deliver that same value. And it's, you know, it's not like they're competitive on those kinds of backend systems. They're, they'll reference each other. They all know each other. And, and it, as I was saying earlier, you, you get this efficiency win for everyone. It's more efficient for us. It's more efficient for you. It's more efficient for the customer. Like everyone is benefiting from this expertise that you're leveraging by rinsing and repeating. You know, that's so for sure we're going to want to do that. We can, you know, we can delight customers and, it, you know, it's great business. You know, longer term, the stuff that we're going to be dealing with, you know, kind of shifting then more to the product and technology side is, is kind of where this conversation started, which is, if you think it's a challenge in 2022 to deal with whatever giant data sets you have to analyze today, well, just wait, you know, five years because they'll be 10 times larger. In particular, you know, you're seeing not only just this never ending growth in the scale and complexity of data that has to, you know, the IT professionals at enterprise, they just have to deal with. They don't get a choice to say no. Um, but you're seeing some step functions, not just acceleration, but these giant accelerations that are that are driven by the switch to cars being basically, you know, computers with four wheels, you know, like the whole like, you know, thousand computers in a car and they make all this data. And then the biggest step function of all is 5G. You know, the 5G is, you know, talked about how amazing it is because it's going to make everything go faster and there's new things. But what it means in the data world is it's not just an acceleration, it's a step function on top of an acceleration. And that you'll see between 20 and 50 times the data generated, like metadata. Um, and now all kinds of amazing value is possible in terms of you can be more efficient with performance and support and all kinds of cool things. But what it means for IT professionals that deal with infrastructure is now they got 20 to 50 times more data to deal with. So, for sure, those are going to be things that are going to keep us and SADA and Google and all kinds of people busy for years to come. Yeah, 100%. Um, last thing, and then we'll wrap up. Um, 
any, you know, I love, we'd love to kind of have some forward looking insights when we have these conversations with thought leaders like yourself, any predictions you see on the industry or, you know, you've already talked a little bit about the explosion of data, but just looking forward to the next couple of years. One of the most exciting things that happens whenever there's a step function in price performance in IT is the way it enables new things that weren't possible before. And generally what you what you find is that any kind of like price performance improvement of 10x or more, and you see them all, you know, they, you know, you go back 30 years in the history of computing, like when you know, we switched to fiber from coax, you know, for how we connect our networks and things like that, or you know, go to multi-core CPUs or, you know, the stuff we're doing at OCN. It really is a step function. It's, it's right now about 100 times the price performance of alternatives for hyperscale. What, what happens is whenever you see these big step functions, most of the initial uses are making what was done before bigger, faster, cheaper. But when you, because that existed. But then when you look back in 10 years or 20 years, 80% of the eventual uses are new things that are only possible once the step function occurs. And, you know, that's super exciting because it, it typically means there's this whole like industries of new companies that form to do that thing that wasn't possible before. And it, you know, it's, it's just like, it's exciting. It's new and different and super high tech. And so that's, that, that's going to be the fun thing that happens. Cause we really, we really have got one. You know, having done this a couple of times before, like we have one of those step functions and things that were just like ridiculous to imagine you might do because like in no way anyone's going to analyze a hundred trillion row tables. Well, they're about to. And then what does that mean is going to happen? And, and it's the new things that are really exciting. Yeah, the explosion of innovations to come. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny. I heard someone recently say like. Everything today that we know of that's possible at one point, someone thought was impossible, right? So it's like- Because it was. Un unlocking <laughs> those. Yeah. Uh, unlocking the, at that time it was, you're right. Yeah. I'll give you um, one quick story yeah, on that a, as we're wrapping. When I yeah. was at my first job, when I said I was like a professional customer, we had this big, expensive, like uh, it, you know, advanced technology lab that I managed. And one of the technology demos we had on this super expensive, big sun micro, you know, uh, mini computer- was we had a song, a single digitized song that it was like a hundred thousand dollars worth of, you know, hardware and special power. And we could play a song and it was, oh my God, this is amazing. So there you go. You know, now. Now you've got the whole, you know, library of stuff in your pocket <laughs> like, at any time. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, well, this is such a fun conversation, Chris. I really enjoyed it. We have a lot of um, customers, you know, ecosystem, prospective customers listening to this podcast. So I encourage any of you out there who, if any of these themes resonated with you today, if you're interested in hyperscale data solutions or solving data-related problems at massive scales, Please get in touch with me or Chris. You can reach out to us both, you know, through this channel or through LinkedIn. Uh, we'd love to talk with you more. And Chris, thank you so much for your partnership. I uh, really appreciate your time. Likewise, Adam. Thanks a lot. And we're looking forward to doing a lot of work together. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.